Hi, welcome back to the Axel Insights podcast. Uh, this is Anand here uh, from Axel. Um, hope you had a chance to listen to Prashant's podcast on evaluating market opportunities. So he shared a great perspective on that from a venture capital investor who's been investing in India for more than a decade. If you haven't had a chance to listen to that, please do. Today, I have the honor of chatting with Raghu, Raghunandan from Taxi for Sure, ex-co-founder and CEO of Taxi for Sure, someone I work closely with from seed stage all the way through exit. Very few of the companies in India have gone through the whole cycle and very few entrepreneurs have scaled and exited companies uh, in India and, and done it with style and class as Raghu did. Uh, so it was a real pleasure to work with him then. And since then, Raghu has gone on to become a successful angel investor as well. Uh, the money he made from Taxi for sure. So, uh, and we have had the opportunity to co-invest in a few places as well. So I want Raghu to ch- share more on the market opportunities, both as an entrepreneur, as well as now an angel investor. So it's a pleasure and honor to have Raghu with me here today. Welcome, Raghu. Yeah. yeah. Hey, thanks, Anand. Uh, the pleasure is all mine. Yeah. So whatever little that uh, we have learned uh, while uh, running Taxi for sure, if I can share those and if that can help uh, some of the other entrepreneurs also to probably do a better job than uh, what we did, I think probably the purpose will be served. Great. Awesome. And uh, rarely I get guests who listen to podcasts. So maybe we'll start with that. Uh, you, why don't you mention a little bit about when do you listen to podcasts and, and how has it helped you? So uh, uh, basically, I'm not really an audio or a, a video kind of a person, uh, right? But uh, so post post exit, uh, so I essentially started uh, uh, training for triathlons, mm-hmm. uh, right? And I had registered for an Ironman event in Korea. So and I started uh, for that event a year back. Uh, right and uh, and uh, the Ironman is a very extremely uh, long endurance game. It's a, a four kilometer swim, uh, 180 kilometers uh, biking, uh, followed by a 42 kilometers uh, run. Uh, wow. So, okay. Right and uh, I know, can't do most of that even with vehicles. I think. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I think you can probably do that. So uh, yeah. because of it, I think uh, the event is not really a challenge. It's a training, and uh, you don't get uh, so many insane people in Bangalore to do it for mm-hmm. to keeping yourself company. So the only thing that you can possibly do is to train all by yourself. And while training, they're doing this long distance cycling or a long distance uh, running, right? Um, you have to figure out a way to keep your mind out of the uh, body, uh, out of the pain. Uh, that's Because it's going to be painful. Because yeah. it's long, it's endurance, it's long distance, it's going to be painful. Yeah. The more the mind thinks uh, about the pain, uh, the more, the <laughs> worse the pain gets, uh, right? Or the worse the perception of the pain. So if you want to really figure out a way to switch off, uh, so most of the people, what they do is you listen to music, all right? And when you're training for two to three hours at a stretch, right? After some time, the same songs keeps repeating and stuff like that, you get extremely bored, mm-hmm. right? And uh, you need to figure out a way to essentially engage your mind mm-hmm. so that it doesn't come back to and start listening to the body, right? And that's when I thought, what is the thing that could essentially engage, right? And then I thought, oh, what? so I'm, I've recently existed a startup and is there anything that I can possibly do? Because... I was still fresh out of the uh, exit and I was still thinking about startups and how to go about building it, Mm -hmm. right? And uh, since I had the power of uh, time and I had the hindsight, right? I was looking back a few of the decisions that I made, uh, right? How I made those decisions, given a choice, what are the things that I would go back and change? I was in that stage. That's when I essentially figured out there were a few podcasts from some of the uh, VCs in the valley, right? I started uh, listening to that. And those were good uh, podcasts, right? Anything between 15 minutes to an hour, right? And the podcasts were so engaging, so engaging. 
that uh, i wouldn't even realize how the time used to go mm. right and the, otherwise i every 100 meters 200 meters i used to check my watch i would or i would look at the numbers right how much distance did i cover but once i got into the habit of podcast though it's so enriching so engaging right i would probably do 5 or 10 kilometers run without even looking at the dashboard right because it, it got me thinking it got me thinking so it it's the uh, the interviewer i used to ask the question all right mm-hmm. and i had my own answer mm-hmm. when i heard the answer of the guy who was essentially answering so there were uh, lots of interviews the most exciting bit was when someone essentially has the same line of thinking but essentially have thought through few things that you have not thought through then there is a richness right and that's when i got a connect even though i was not really uh, running a company i could still learn more mm-hmm. right and that was a lot more engaging and that caught hooked on to me i mean i think uh, thanks to podcast it essentially helped me train really really well us uh, yeah. right and uh, yeah and uh, so thanks for providing an opportunity probably to give it uh, paid give forward it paid forward that's exactly, great exactly so exactly. for the entrepreneurs and the founders we are aiming it at first time founders who are early in the journey so things to pick up from raghu's thing is exercise regularly which is always <laughs> good you used to run marathons even while an entrepreneur and got your whole company into running so uh, whether it's running or playing or whatever keep your mind fit as well uh, as well as your body right that that's the key and podcast is a great way for people as they are exercising to listen that's what right. i do I as think, well uh, yeah. so people have to really figure out uh, when do they want to listen to podcast they should not essentially put up a standard time as such but whenever they are commuting whenever they are essentially taking a walk uh, right whenever they are essentially waiting for somebody and things like that right those are the times when you can essentially start engaging in a podcast if you essentially want to figure out that one hour in a day where i want to listen to the podcast i'm not really sure how many people would get that an hour yeah. to listen to the podcast but as and when you get time and stuff like that right you essentially start putting that in It's, it's it's a great place to listen to podcast and once you essentially get hooked on to it you'll only figure out how to make time to listen to podcast yeah hope you hope uh, many of the listeners do and also the other interesting thing you pointed out is as the interview or the person hosting the podcast is asking a question you thought of your own answer and compared it to what the uh, podcast guest said so that's an interesting way of learning right so whenever someone asks a question to come up with your own answer and compare that's one of the best forms of learning and i've i've used it myself it's i'm glad you artic- articulated that so let's jump into today's uh, topic which is how to evaluate market opportunities we had prashant talking about it last week as i mentioned earlier maybe let's start with many people know the taxi for sure story and the whole exit and and all that that is uh, well covered maybe talk about how did you go about evaluating the opportunity like uh, and we'll start with that so uh, see when uh, aprama and i got this idea right as uh, so both of us are very in uh, good jobs mm-hmm. all right we used to get paid uh, uh, i used to be a consultant and aprama used to be a business development guy as soon as we got the idea we didn't quit our jobs so we weren't so sure that um, uh, this is a great idea right because we all we grew up with people who were smarter than us and we didn't understand why people who are smarter than us couldn't come up with this idea and how could we come come up with this idea so because of which uh, what we did was uh, we did an online survey and uh, shared it with all our friends so we are uh, b school grads all uh, right and uh, almost all of those friends told that they are also facing the same problem then we thought okay my what did you ask in the survey uh, that whether finding a cab wherever you are whenever you want is it easy or difficult right how do you go about booking a cab right or do you really want, are you happy with the way you are finding cabs and stuff like that right so everyone said that they are facing that problem that's when we thought okay uh, this is this is a good problem 
Uh, right. But it might be skewed towards uh, all these B-school grads who are consultants and business development guys. It's a very, very small market. Uh, right. And uh, we should not probably will go about building something for a very, very small market. So that's when we, what we did was we went to the airports, stood in front of uh, Delhi airport and Bangalore airport and spoke to uh, people getting in and getting out of the airport. There also people told that uh, they're finding a, uh, finding a difficulty finding a cab uh, whenever they want. Right. Mm-hmm. Then we thought, oh, it must be, this might be a problem for frequent flyers. Got it. Right. That may also be a bit bigger than the B-school crowd, but not really a huge, huge market. All right. It may not be. So that's when, by this time, we had a good questionnaire of around uh, 15 questions, 10 objective type and uh, 15 uh, explanation questions, right? Mm-hmm. And we had a bunch of college kids to stand in front of shopping malls and speak to people over there. So we, I think we garnered around uh, 2,848 responses. Wow. Right? 92% of the people said that uh, they're facing the problem whenever they want to find a cab. That's when we realized that, okay, we're on to something interesting. That's, that's when we quit your jobs? when we quit our jobs. <laughs> that's when we quit our jobs. Till then... Uh, that thought had not even crossed our mind, right? So because, so even though it's a very, very sample, right? We have spoken to B-school guys, we have spoken to people who were traveling to uh, frequent flyers, and we spoke to this pro- people who are sh- shopping and stuff like that, right? So that gave us a lot of confidence, right? Then we thought that, okay, the problem is faced by plenty. And the way we essentially, uh, in order to get more confidence on the solution, right? All, all the people who we spoke to in front of shopping malls, right? People who took time to think about those explanation answers, right? So we met some of those people in person and showed them the solution. So when people fell in the uh, fell in love with the solution, that's when we realized that we have something awesome. Mm. When you said so, so showed the solution, you had a mock-up or how did you do it? It was just a PowerPoint. Okay, yeah. Just a PowerPoint slide. So and there were, I think during that time there were no wireframe uh, tools and stuff like that. It was just a PowerPoint. We told them that this is how it would be. You do this, do this, do this, do this, you'll get a cab. And people are like, oh, is it so simple? Mm-hmm. Oh, I want to use it. Uh, can, uh, can I get it? I'm ready to pay for it. Can I get it? Mm-hmm. Right? And we had we had nowhere. We had not even started building anything because we weren't sure of the market. Mm. Right? And once we were sure of the market, is that's when we quit. Got it. It was not just the power of the idea. We were sure of the market. That's when we quit. Understood. I want to go deeper into the market opportunity a little bit. But before we do that, so it wasn't uh, you, you saying, I want to build the Uber for India. Uh, no, so because uh, that's a con- misconception, I think, that many people So have. I think so we got the idea in August 2010. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think more or less the same time is when Uber also started in US. Mm-hmm. And the coverage of startups uh, in 2010-2011, startups mm-hmm. in US was not so aggressive as it is today. Yeah. Uh, right? And we didn't know. Till our first round of funding also, we didn't know that there was something called Uber existed. And the time we got to know Uber existed, it was more of a premium a black car chauffeur uh, driven services than essentially a cab service cab aggregator for the masses mm-hmm. we were the cab aggregator for the masses and uber was at a completely different level yeah but when we did all this research and stuff like that we didn't know Got it. and uh, i think uh, in terms of technology what we need to understand uh, we need to understand uh, one thing here is uh, almost all the cab aggregators across the globe Signed at the same time because the geolocation sensor mm-hmm. made it to the smartphone in early 2010. Got it. Right? And all of us essentially started applying that in the cab aggregation space. So it was not like an Amazon or a Flipkart mm-hmm. or any other uh, different companies, right? All of us, Uber started in August 2010. We started, we, we got the idea in August 2010. Mm-hmm. Ola also probably started in December 2010, mm-hmm. right? So all of us, more or less, my taxi in Europe also started the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Black taxi in London also, Halo also started at the more or less the same time. Mm-hmm. Across the globe, all of us started at the more or less the same time. 
Correct. It's not that something was working there and we want to replicate it here. Correct. It's just that the technology made it possible. I mean, these days, an iPhone 10 gets released in US, within a month, you have iPhone 10 in India. Yeah. Right? Because technology has no geographical boundaries. Right? Then people have to really start figuring out the application of the technology for that particular market. And that's the reason we had to do all that research. Understood. And how did you know it's a large enough opportunity? Uh, were there other companies that were doing it, proxies? We talked about total addressable market in the previous episode with Prashant. How, as business school graduates, I'm sure you knew about those concepts. How did you go about sizing the opportunity? So, uh, see, the way we, so one is for us, for us, uh, for us to convince ourselves whether mm-hmm. this is a big market before mm-hmm. we essentially start jumping in because the opportunity cost was significantly high. Right, that's the reason we did that online survey. We in person went and met some few people. We had a call, bunch of college kids to go about and doing that. That is for us to gain confidence. But that is not going to give confidence to any of the other people that we are going to, not just the investors, but even the set of employees that we want to onboard, right? It, you need to really figure out a way to do that. So the way we started looking at how the addressable market is, we looked at Gestile, the number of Kappa creators, and we used to make calls and figure out how many people would even respond. Uh, right, how many people are not able to respond and stuff like that, and what is the kind of businesses that each one of them are doing. So if you look at a city like Bangalore, right, there were 1,200 taxi operators. On an average, each one of them used to have 10 cabs, right, and they used to do maximum two or three rides a day, mm-hmm. right, and the cab guys were unhappy because they were not getting enough, right, the customers were unhappy because they were not getting cabs. Right, so the market by structure really was so uh, uh, messed up that none of the two parties were happy. Either you see customers are happy, right, because there's so excess supply of cars. Mm-hmm. So because of which, any time the customers want a cab, there is always a cab. Either the customers have to be happy, or the cabs are lower, but the demand is so high that every cab is occupied. Then either the, then the cab drivers have to be happy. But we were in, we were in a, when we did our research, right? We figured out that none of both the parties were not happy. Mm. It's just that because the cabs are in a, uh, is a space where the cabs are not at the place where the passenger is, right? Or the passenger is a place where the cabs are not. But that's not necessarily true. The customer who is trying to reach out to a particular cab, let's say other were uh, bigger brand names then, right? They are reaching out to a cab operator who doesn't have cabs in the vicinity, but there are free cabs in the vicinity, yeah. right? And similarly, uh, the cab which is free of a particular operator, their operator's call center is busy with talking to customers who are in a place where they don't have any free cabs, yeah. right? So it was completely disjoint. So if we essentially start putting together Right, then it will be an amazing thing. Yeah. Right. So the way we looked up, so when, what we did was we figured out how many just uh, taxi operators are registered in just right, right, and figured out how many, what is the average number of cabs that they have, and we knew that some of those cabs will be shared. That's one. Second thing is uh, we looked at all the commercially licensed cars that were registered in the RTO, right, and that is easy to get. And we looked at you know, over the last three years how many cars because we were looking at only cars which are three years or younger, mm-hmm. right? How many cars were registered? Right, then we looked at, so this is the supply, right, and if they're doing so many business, right, we looked at how much can they easily do. Mm-hmm. Then we looked at, so when we started in Bangalore, right, but airport was away from the city, yeah. right, and most of the taxi usage was happening towards the airport. We looked at how many flights are landing, how many flights are taking off, how many people, what is the average occupancy, what is the kind of demand that it can have. So we had the supply side, and we had the demand side, and we looked at how big that we get. Mm-hmm. We never looked at, 
because we exist more people will start taking cabs more people will buy cabs we mm-hmm. never looked at it got it right so this is the market reality yeah right these are the number of cabs that are on the road this is the number of people who essentially want those cabs right and there is a disconnect can we marry the disconnect yeah and we thought because of our solution that we had we knew that we could essentially marry in a much much more efficient and an effective way and that's mm-hmm. the reason how that's how we looked at it understood that's how you sized and and also your business model was slightly uh, very nuanced right so you had the aggregator model maybe talk a little bit about that how did you pick that particular model and how did you uh, why did you pick that versus going direct to the driver so it's from a, a scalability <coughs> point of view it's a uh, fairly uh, simple right uh, because we had done this research across multiple cities we knew that uh, we need to be a pan india yeah right so when we start looked at the supply side what we realized was in a tier 1 city 60 to 75 70% of the cabs are owned by the fleet operators right who get drivers from their own village and stuff like that and they do that in tier 2 tier 3 cities 80 to 90% is owned by the fleet operators all right so if you really want to essentially get access to a large supply very soon right taxi operators is the best way to go so that's one the second one is because of the business that we gave an operator makes so much of money that every month they make enough money to start investing making the down payment for a car uh, right so the number of even the operators will start increasing it will increasing the fleet size that's the second one but if you work with the driver directly probably the driver has to work for a year or two to increase to buy a new car right that's the second one the third thing is the biggest thing in the sector right security right so when an operator is buying an asset a car and he has to give the keys for the car to a third party who is a driver he has to know everything about the driver mm-hmm. because they can't go through the police route they can't file a police complaint and supply that and recover it because it's too expensive for them to take that particular route right so usually they get the drivers from their own native village mm-hmm. where they know the siblings of the guy the parents of the guy what is his background everything right any record that even none of the even the other doesn't really have police stations that doesn't have but beyond that they will have access to everything about the person right when you work with the operators safety is assured right because a driver would not because the operator sees a lot of opportunity with us business opportunity so that they they grow with us and they know how to deal with the driver you want the drivers to be uniformed they will do that you want the drivers to not to talk to the customers they will do that you want the drivers to clean the cars every day they will do that Right. So it was and a lot more it. scalable and and uh, secure model. Exactly. And, and how about on the revenue share? Like, was there enough revenue to be shared between three parties here? Oh, I I think there was. Yeah. Uh, there was right. You give uh, so uh, earlier when the operators started, they used to give fixed uh, salaries to the drivers, mm-hmm. uh, right? And the operators would uh, try to play that driver the business. And once we essentially started becoming bigger, and we were driving a lot of volume to the operator. right and we could essentially uh, get the operator to give a part fixed and a part variable to the driver mm-hmm. and eventually move to a complete uh, variable also right but for the kind of investment that we had to make in terms of essentially getting that right driver behavior that part was safeguarded right yeah. that operator would take care of completely right we didn't have to really worry about driver management we didn't have to really worry about driver pushing themselves we didn't have to really worry about getting those cars on the road speak and span and stuff like that the operator would essentially take care of it so we could only focus on what we knew best develop technology get customers understood right service delivery and it made a lot of sense for us to talk to handful of operators build those relationships with those operators and the operators would do everything rest so as we started growing 
we kept on increasing our operate number of operators that we used to work with and these operate each one of those existing operators also were growing up in size because we were increasing the business so there was this athlete or taxi operator who started with us with uh, 10 cars when we exited he had 182 cars okay that that's crazy and you know you really look at all the operators so essentially you're onboarding newer operators they have their own fleet that they're onboarding and the existing guys are also increasing the fleet so you're essentially growing at a much at a completely terrific space mm -hmm. right and for existing operators to go you don't have to do anything you just do what you are doing and they'll only grow and you just want to keep on onboarding new set of operators and it was a win-win situation for all of us that's that's very helpful so one thing that I wanted to touch upon is last week or last uh, podcast with Prashant, we talked about startups starting with the market and then looking for adjacencies and things like that. Uh, your advice on, or, or in the taxi for sure case, did you look for adjacencies or what's your thought on adjacencies? Uh, see, uh, when at a, so there are different stages at which you can really look at, right? See, at a, a seed stage, uh, right? You just have to focus because you don't know whether you, whether the taxi drivers would work with you or whether you have the uh, ability to get customers to your uh, driver driver partners. You don't know that. You just focus on that and get it done, mm -hmm. right? And with the seed money, you figure out the product market fit, mm -hmm. whether it makes sense for the operators to work with you, drivers to work with you, and customers to come to you, right? Mm -hmm. After that, at the series A stage, because you figure out the product market fit, you just scale, mm -hmm. figure out how to really start scaling, mm -hmm. uh, right? And there also you need to be sharp focused, mm -hmm. right? Only this market. I'm not going to do anything extra. This market only. I've got 10 drivers. Now I will, how will I get to 500 drivers? In your case, you started with Bangalore and then scaled to a exactly, couple of other right? cities. So yeah. series A happened, then series B, how do I essentially talk differently diverse, yeah. right? And the different cities behave differently, yeah. right? Delhi is a completely different market. Chennai had a complete monopoly in the supply side, mm -hmm. right? Different cities, cities have their own nuances, mm -hmm. right? You have to start figuring out. So, but we focus only on the capital creation space. Mm -hmm. So post series B, series C stage is when we started thinking, okay, we have cracked this mm -hmm. model, right? And we have built a brand amongst the consumer, mm -hmm. right? What are the other things that we can essentially do mm -hmm. with this? Should we do corporate? Mm -hmm. Because we are only looking at uh, retail. Should we do corporate? Or uh, essentially we are transporting people. Can we transport goods? Mm -hmm. Right? Should we get into the logistics segment? Mm -hmm. Right? And if it is goods, what kind of goods? Should we be a courier service guys or should we be a delivery guys? Mm -hmm. Can we do grocery delivery? Mm -hmm. Can we do food delivery? Mm -hmm. Because food delivery typically lunches mm -hmm. happen during on peak hours or the taxi segment. Mm -hmm. So our own assets can be better utilized. Right? So we experimented with all that. Should we be going, getting into electric vehicles? Right? Should we be essentially getting into, by the time we have figured out that uh, our supply in the cab aggregation space, supply holds the key. Because it's a supply constraint market, demand will come. Whoever has access to the supply, they'll take the market. If that's the case, should we look at other countries? Because we know that most of the countries across the world, developed markets, majority of the taxi drivers are Indians, are from the subcontinent, right? And if you go there, if you're an Indian company going there, most of those people have a lot more affinity to work with someone who is Indian mm -hmm. than anything else. If that is the case, can we essentially get the supply? If you get the supply, demand will come. Yeah. Because demand has no loyalty. Right, customers who be in Uber or a Ola or a taxi for sure. Right, if someone says 10 minutes, someone says 5 minutes, someone says 2 minutes, people will go with the 2 minutes. All right, so if whoever has access to supply, so we're looking it's at a utility the, almost, they want exactly, the, exactly. Right, if, that, if you understand that, you need to really figure out how do I essentially get a Ghana supply. Mm. All right, so going abroad, if you're able to garner those Indian taxi drivers, mm. would you be able to make inroads into that? So, there are lots of things. 
that's when we started thinking right so focus early on and then get the product market fit scale it to within india even that is adjacent markets right if you look at bangalore you made the point of bangalore is not the same as chennai is not the same as delhi, delhi. that is adjacent market geographically right all these solve it first and then look for exactly so yeah. it's so easy when you are there right you feel that because if you you are trying a few things right and the market is responding to that and because of which you feel that you can try a lot more but i think that is essentially digging your own grave yeah. right you essentially pick and choose the battles that you want to fight and you typically you should not fight all the battles at once right it's unnecessary right so pick and choose the battles that you want to fight and as soon as you start building the fighting those battles there's a lot of learning right you would essentially develop as an entrepreneur and the people who are invested in you will also understand that okay these people have a, a willingness ability to fight and they've been uh, getting better and better at it and whenever you essentially are going for bigger battles they are those are the ones who are going to support you as well so you need to have that the last the time thing that you need to do is to essentially spread yourself too thin everywhere and uh, right and you essentially getting some existential questions about yourself what am i doing uh, right what is the core all uh, right so the uh, lack of focus will hurt you significantly yeah. the core has to be ascertained and the core ascertaining the core takes time got it this is very helpful maybe last question on on overall uh, the taxi pusher journey and and then we'll move into your advice to first time founders as you look at put on your angel investor hat so how should entrepreneurs think about uh, hyper competitive spaces you are in one right so and there are many looks like in india anything that's working there's a lot of competition <laughs> right so any thoughts as you reflect back on that portion of uh, oh uh, competition is the greatest thing that happened to us okay not not us not our team not our investors competition is the greatest thing that happened to us right if not for the competition i don't think so all three of us would have grown the way we grew all right and even all three of us invested money to essentially get to a stage where uh, within no time the number of people who used to use taxis earlier that increased significantly right and the number of times an individual used to use taxi right that also increased significantly mm. right now we have gotten to a stage where uh, uber or ola has become a verb mm-hmm. they are not nouns right where people don't don't say anymore that take a cab and come mm-hmm. people say why don't you uber or okay. why don't you ola yeah. right what google has become to search yeah. right we have essentially become that when the categorization space if none of us if three of us wouldn't have competed so heavily mm-hmm. i don't think so would have got to this stage anytime soon all of us put in money to educate the market to uh, build the market mm-hmm. all right and then the best player will win got it okay all right and that's essentially the competition is the biggest thing that really happened if not for that we wouldn't have done that and we were extremely agile mm-hmm. because of the competition so new guys entering in any advice on that should people look at i still get pitches for taxis for example so when is it uh, how should how should first time entrepreneurs think about that should they uh, enter hyper competitive markets if so and what conditions or, or any thoughts on that see the uh, uh, unless until unless you have a, a extremely differentiating value proposition which resonates with the consumer mm-hmm. if you don't have that you should not even get into the space all right you have to have something that the other big guys are not probably bring to the table yeah. all right so the way we see so so easy for us when we entered the market for us to compete because they were incumbents all right and who were probably running the taxi business and operations business than a technology business mm-hmm. all right so we brought technology and we essentially and people didn't believe in the technology because they were so much into operations all right so when we and uh, all the people that we had we didn't really have anyone from the industry 
right. in your team you didn't hire from the industry we never heard from it because you can't disrupt an industry from someone who has been there and who knows that these are the market norms mm-hmm. nothing gets there right it's very easy to compete with the with the incumbents mm-hmm. right when you are talking about other startups which are essentially cracked right and until unless you have something that those people are not doing it's very difficult all right for incumbents who are running operations we got technology mm-hmm. right and technology scales faster than operation scaling and that's how we would be able to beat them out but if any new startup which is coming up and they come up with marginally better technology or marginally better value proposition it's extremely difficult until unless they figure out something which can essentially outsmart these incumbents got it. but competing on the same thing when somebody is essentially go extremely awesome at it mm. it becomes extremely challenging got it. so pick markets where there there are old school incumbents and who are not technology savvy and exactly. and see if you can disrupt that exactly Or otherwise pick something where you have a very sharp laser focused differentiation from the existing startup exactly right? exactly or, or and also uh, if there are multiple startups probably trying to solve the same problem right uh, right that is also good space it doesn't really matter where you start effectively in let's say uh, a couple of years back probably the lending space uh, right because the same problem i mean during my uh, because from angel investing experience i can probably talk about that the same problem is solved by 20 different entrepreneurs in 20 different ways right but it doesn't really matter whose solution is the best mm-hmm. right what we need to probably invest in is who are the people who are trying to solve how open are they Uh, right to learn from the market and stuff like that because the market teaches mm. everybody if you are a great team you learn it a bit more sooner mm. if you are a good team you learn it uh, right if you are a bad team probably will be the one who will learn the last mm. but eventually everyone will converge because mm. the market teaches everybody mm. all right so we also started with airport transfers moved to point to point ola started with bombay pune mm. they moved to point to point mm-hmm. right everybody everyone can everyone can start with the right cars yeah all right and eventually converge mm. everyone converges because once you are in the market the market teaches you mm. right you don't have to really uh, figure that out where are there were few people who started with the point to point only in the mm. taxis business mm. but we came and we disrupted because we were a lot more open a lot more agile and and so it, it so the sector you need to be bullish on Uh, right and you need to be agile you need to bet on the team at the very very early stage so if the entrepreneurs are listening to this right if they think that they're agile they're smart right they don't have to really figure out the solution mm-hmm. they have to figure out the problem mm-hmm. start with solution mm-hmm. the market will teach you That's but true. you need to be open, keep your eyes ears open and you need to be extremely agile once you figure out an insight you should not be intellectualizing about it mm. right experiment 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 the market teaches you Mm-hmm. every other every startup right market teaches them market teaches them so market is the best teacher when it comes to startups create that on on that note let's put on your investor hat now so what are the common uh, mistakes that you see that uh, first time founders are doing especially when picking market opportunities anything that we have not covered uh, so i think most of the people essentially uh, go with uh, research reports mm. uh, right and that's a complete no no it's a good thing to it's a necessary thing uh, to essentially convince people who want certain reports and stuff like that but it's not sufficient mm. you have to do your own research mm. right that's that's one second thing is i've seen uh, entrepreneurs who are essentially banking on somebody else's inputs than they going and meeting the customers whether it is b2b or b2c you need to be where the customers are right if you're not there it doesn't really work at all 
to the right. surveys you did initially all ah, right yeah. you need to be where the customers are yeah. right and you can't really back up that okay my perception is this i feel that this and stuff like that right but the third thing is um, people are not open mm. right you can't feel something that's already full right when somebody is essentially giving you suggestions right you can probably take it with a pinch of salt but take it right and think about it and whether you want to act on it or not it's a different thing but uh, refusing bleeding uh, aggressively at the very at the mention of a particular suggestion and stuff like that right it's a, it's a complete uh, no no mm. uh, right and that's that's the thing another thing is uh, if there are multiple founders the best thing that they do is interstitialize they get themselves in they get themselves in their particular room or right sit on a, at a cafe coffee day or a starbucks and stuff like that right and discuss it out than going and essentially discussing it with the customers it goes back to the customer point exactly right market the market the market yeah. right at an early stage the closer you are to the market the faster you move mm. got it and this is all related to um, the market opportunity i want to since i have you maybe taking a step back if we look at founders in general and and some general advice to founders what are the common uh, areas that it's tough to say you have to do this but it's easier to say these are the common mistakes you've seen or common reasons why startups fail and failure is not necessarily bad but uh, what lessons can we learn as a community from failures maybe uh, last question it's then not then. necessarily from failures and stuff yeah. like that i yeah. think uh, uh, few things few things probably i can share about some of the lessons that i uh, learned right uh, most of the things that we as founders uh do is we don't let go of things all uh, right uh, because uh, see i started taxi for sure because i believed in the idea all mm-hmm. uh, right and with all the surveys that we uh, did and how the market was responding i kept on falling more and more in love with the idea and stuff like that right so i used to handle product and for a period of time i didn't want to let go of product right and you at a time and there was a time in uh, in the journey where i became the biggest bottleneck in the company mm-hmm. right i never let it go at all uh, right that was that was a huge blunder right so people have to really figure out how to let it. it's extremely hard mm-hmm. because you feel that you are uh, the perception is the best person should be doing that particular job mm-hmm. right and you feel that you are probably amongst all the people that you have you are the best guy there mm-hmm. but until unless you let go of it and get somebody else to do it right who's hopefully better than you ha uh, right yeah. better than you and stuff like that and you work with it closely because you don't even give an opportunity for you to figure out that person is better than you mm-hmm. because you are not letting it go right that that's, that's one is uh, that's the huge uh, challenge verse one the second thing is our inability to say no mm-hmm. we don't we just we find it extremely difficult to say no to our employees right to our investors to the board right to everybody right because of which what happens is so we struggle internally right we agree to something the board has suggested but at a company level we don't really agree but just because i didn't want to say no to the board and stuff like that i would have essentially taken it and i would be forcing it down on my team to do it but that has an expiry date mm-hmm. that just can't so probably people will essentially step up and do it once twice but if that becomes a, a regular affair they will not really do it right and sometimes when you have to let go of certain people right uh, it was extremely challenging emotionally right that is also saying no to the employee it's not that the employee is bad it's just that 
at the stage that you are in and the aspirations of the employee and the, your expectations from the employee and stuff like that right there is a mismatch so you it's better off that it's good for both of you to go but it's just that i know it doesn't mean that you are essentially dumping them on the road right but there are ways to essentially you feel so bad help them get a get the next job mm. right but if you have to, if you figure out that you have to discontinue don't wait too long for the rest of the company to figure out that why are we having this person mm. right and that that's bad that's bad at multiple levels because one is people will figure out that you just can't do that all right and that is your most vulnerable position which is not something that you want to really tell people second thing is some of the people will feel that that kind of behavior is acceptable free riding yes that kind of behavior is acceptable that is also bad right third one is culturally there are some people who are essentially putting a lot of effort essentially burning the midnight oil and stuff like that if those people are performing and these these people who are not doing anything but still continuing the company right over a period of time even those people will start feeling bad all uh, right and they will also start slacking on the performance right and the if your best people are slacking and you know what will happen to the company yeah all uh, right and it's a downhill from there on all uh, right and i've seen that happen i've seen that happen our ability to not say no our ability inability to let go of things and people yes right as as crucifying actually yeah for a start but at least uh, it was not that bad we figured out a bit more sooner and stuff like that and essentially figured out a way to do all that and things like that but uh, i've seen that happen do my age investment uh, stage also right i see a lot of entrepreneurs struggling Exactly. the same thing exactly because we are so good at numbers we are so good at making decisions and stuff like that right uh, so we essentially rationalize everything out but when it comes to this fundamental things right it's not a big thing right let go right or you say no it's fundamental so what i think is when uh, entrepreneurs asking these questions they don't have anybody else to go and talk to i can't go to my board and say that boss i don't know how to say no <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, right or uh, i can't go and tell my team that i can't let it go how do i let it go it, it becomes uh, difficult and people will probably misinterpret their uh, friends so so yeah. that's where entrepreneurs feel it extremely lonely and things like that but once they start get used to uh, get used to it it and that becomes your biggest strength yeah right and let it go is just to add to that is one of the key things for scaling also right yeah. so you bring people who are better than you in various functions as the founder and ceo or co-founder and ceo you're wearing multiple hats and you need to get specialists for each of these roles as you skill is what you're referring to exactly right? exactly if you don't let it go then what's the whole point of getting better people yeah and asking them to do what you want them to do <laughs> uh, right you're better off getting people who are not as good as you are so that they'll just listen to you and do it yeah right you get better people give them a free reign give them the direction yeah all right they don't want to have a uh, fast horse running all over the place yeah all right you essentially have to be we become the jockey don't become the horse all <laughs> uh, right but we essentially prefer to be the horse than the jockey because yeah. we love putting that hard work we love running and we love the sweat on our uh, yeah. uh, sweat dripping on my neck right so that's that's what we love so we should not fall in love with things like that yeah on the note of become the jockey so we'll wrap up this uh, particular podcast so we discuss a lot around market opportunities and more but on the market opportunities uh, for the first time founders hope you picked up the key tool of surveying people particularly talking to your customers and learning from them really does the market opportunity exist not just intellectualizing but actually talking and really in this case they talk to 2000 odd people so how many ever you can you can hire college interns as they did or any other tool 
right to find out from your customers second is on the total addressable market analysis just don't don't go by research reports and what you read but do your own uh, uh, research like the, in this case they had gone and looked at gestile and made a bottoms up estimate of how many taxi aggregators and things like that which later on helped them come up with a business model which is the third important thing of scalable business models they picked the operator model because it was a lot more scalable uh, the operators could go out and get drivers and make them stick to rules and uh, a lot more scalable as well as secure right so business model is something very closely tied with the market opportunity so you could have a great market opportunity but if your business model is not scalable if you have to sell door to door person to person it's not going to work out so that's also something super important and the final lesson is focus on your core market as a first time founder in the seed and early stages focus on your core and hit it out of the park be very nimble speed of execution is something that's uh, super key and and the market will teach you that's something that uh, ragu reiterated upon a couple of times be nimble listen to the market and adapt and the fastest movers in that are going to be the winners so uh, hopefully i covered all the key aspects here ragu anything to add to that <laughs> okay thank you so awesome hope hopefully you enjoyed this podcast please do follow us at axel_india on twitter and um, tweet us any questions you have that you want to cover and with that note uh, hope to have you back next time as uh, as uh, listeners and hope to have you back also ragu sometime talking about the entire journey the exit and everything else but thank you for making the time today thanks a lot and thanks a lot for having me